What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 56 of The Locker Room, brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Go to manscaped.com and use our code LOCKER for 20% off. That's manscaped.com with our code LOCKER for 20% off, plus free shipping at manscaped.com. I promise you, your balls will thank you. I don't have a story this week about shaving my balls because I haven't, so we won't go into that. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say what up to the fellas, and I do want to talk about this new fad that's going on Clubhouse. I mean, have you guys heard about this? Everyone's talking about it. Um, I recently joined. It's like a, you know, online, like LinkedIn or whatever you want to call it, like a group chat kind of thing. But um, I want to get your guys' take on it. Cappy, I don't know if you've heard of it. Max, yeah, I know you you came in my call last night. So what are you guys thinking? Oh, yeah, you guys, you guys inform me because I have no idea. You guys tell me. I actually want to know a little bit more about it. Yeah, I didn't mean to join your call. I just got a notification that Johnny was in a call and accidentally clicked on it. And automatically made me join. Wait, was it like a Zoom call? No, it's like, so I guess you can like follow people and like you'll get notified. Like if, like, let's say, let's say like it's, I'm a speaker and you're following me, Cappy. And and it says like Johnny Lazarus and Max Massbaum like made a room talking about podcasting. So you can can like swipe right or whatever to go into the room and you can listen to me and Max talk and you can request to to speak also. So it's kind of like somewhat of a live podcast in a sense. No, no, it's, it's like, no, it's, <laughs> like thinking, it's like going to a conference and you know, where, when they're, where there's speakers at like a conference or yeah. a trade show, huh. a convention, it's like, it's, it's pretty much like that, except you're doing it right from your app where you can have someone talk like Elon Musk went on to talk about uh, crypto, but it was like 1 a.m. our time. It's kind of like Instagram Live, but you can, but in the in the live conversation, other people could join and and can and communicate with the speaker. You can raise your hand and like you can actually ask a question rather than an Instagram Live where you're just typing out a question. I, Instagram is Instagram's going to hop on and change or add a feature to it. One hundred percent. All right, that's pretty cool. But speaking of questions, Laz, what's what's let's do with this uh, Instagram story quote, huh? Oh yeah, this was I was just like in my feels this week. Um, I wanted to read this. <laughs> No, I had a really bad, I had a really bad. When are you not in your feels though? No, like this one. I mean, I said it at the end of last, last week's episode that I had like a mental breakdown last week, but like this, this week was just a tough one, but I saw this and it like really just hit me. Um, And I'm sure it'll hit you guys too. But so I saw this thing on Instagram. It says, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly worrying about the next part of my life without realizing that I'm right in the middle of what I used to look forward to. And I was like, damn, like that's how I'm living, you know? I feel like I'm talking to my girlfriend right now. Well, dude, I mean, think about it. Like, I guess you've probably been looking forward to playing pro your whole life. No, and- no, 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 please. I completely understand. I'm just fucking with you right now. But no, that that's pretty wild. I, I, that that's, that kind of has me mind blown, that's, that statement. It's, it's just like a weird way to like, you know, I, I do try to live like day to day and I really focus on it, especially now because we, what? No, I'm, that's so weird you said that because literally that's what I've been saying since I started playing pro is like, literally, I'm just going to like, because this league is for people that don't know. It's just like a, it's just a crazy league. And I'm just, just like, you never know what's going to happen. doesn't matter if you're playing well, doesn't matter if you're playing bad, who knows what the hell could happen. Get traded in a heartbeat. Who knows? 
So I'm really like, I'm just going to take it day by day and we'll see what happens. That's yeah. Really nice. But it's sometimes, it's sometimes so hard to focus on the day to day. Cause you're always like trying to like work towards something or, or you look forward to what's coming next. And especially with the way the world is right now, that like nothing's normal. So it's hard to like necessarily find happiness with the way the world is right now. I mean, I, I found like, I found ways to make myself happy, but like, if you told me a year ago, that's what I'd be doing. And that's what my fun was. I'd be yeah. like, fuck, like playing rummy cube on a Friday night sounds miserable, but like, I, I enjoy it now, but because yeah, that's like what my reality is, huh? Don't shit on rummy cube. Come on. Man. No, I'm not, but I'm just, I'm just saying like, you know, it's just weird to think. I always thought about life after college and how I'd like, hopefully, you know, have a job, have money, be going out to bars, like with friends. And that's just not reality right now. And like, that's like kind of all I was looking forward to, but that's just not the way the world is. So it was like, it was a weird, like mental state just to be in for a little bit. And it all kind of just like hit me at once. Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. But we should mention who we're having on today, an unbelievable episode with the founder and CEO of the digital sports platform. I'm sure you guys know over time. Um, it's an amazing uh, interview and we'll definitely get to that soon. Good transition because I probably could have went on for 20 minutes. <laughs> no, I could have ended up crying, but I know we, uh, so we are hockey guys, but I, I just want to touch on a little bit like the Tony D'Angelo drama. I mean, not that we're going to break news or anything, but, you know, just being in hockey locker rooms, our whole life cap. Um, Max, I don't know if you've gotten any fights in the locker room growing up. You've been, uh, well, I guess there's no locker room for golf or like, is there a baseball? Locker? I, I play, I, I mean, I played other sports, not just, I picked up golf like during quarantine. Did you ever get into a fight growing up in a locker room? I feel like Max, I feel like Laz thinks you've been playing golf since like you were like six years old. Like that's the only sport you played. You were just in the Yeah, because I, I spanked his ass when we played yeah. each other. Um, no, I played tennis and uh, and basketball. Locker room fights. Yeah. I mean, we we I mean we were we were all pretty close as a as a team. It wasn't like you know, fights as in like, you know, punches being thrown. It's definitely more intense. But I just feel like in this case, dude, like obviously we're big on Rangers Twitter, like we follow like you know, the blue shirts breakaway guy, shout out to them, Ryan Mead. Um, he's all, he was all over the D'Angelo stuff, but yeah. like, dude, everyone's just blowing shit so out of proportion and like saying the Rangers are going to collapse and all that stuff. And they came out and won the other night, which is awesome. But sometimes in sports, like this kind of shit needs to happen. I'm not a huge Tony D'Angelo fan, but I don't like hate the guy. I don't really know him, but you know, I've heard for a long time, he's like kind of cancerous in the locker room and you know, this kind of stuff is good for a team to go forward. Like I thought that this could be the Rangers turning point. And there's people like also on Twitter, I mean, I don't want to go into like politics or anything, but people no. say the Rangers cut him because it was political views and like all that stuff. But, you know, personally for me, I just think like, I mean, I'm not in that locker room. And it's funny too, because like, dude, kids who like know that we're friends with Foxy, like kids from my camp were like texting me like, yo, did you text Fox to ask him what happened? No. And I'm like, no, even if I did text Adam, he probably wouldn't answer me. Cause like, yeah, you'd be like, yeah, yeah. You, that, that's what people don't understand. It's like, it's, it's like, it's just what say, what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. Yeah. I'm like, not texting Adam. Hey, tell me about the D'Angelo fight. Like, yeah, exactly. news reporter, you know? Um, I think that's the main thing when talking about this. I don't want to obviously go into it too much, but like, like you said, um, we weren't in the locker room. We're not on the team. We don't know what they know. We don't know exactly what happened, but at the end of the day, it was probably blown out of proportion. People saying that the Rangers are going to collapse. Like that's like the biggest joke I've ever heard in my entire life. Like just because mm-hmm. one incident happens. Oh my God. Right. It's, it, it's it, what is it? 10 games been played in the NHL season so far. Like give me a fucking break. They look like uh, shit though. <laughs> that's any teams. Like you think, you think uh, every team's going to look unbelievable coming out of the gate after yeah. a COVID season? Like, of course, it's the Rangers who, I mean, they're just so disgusting. Like, the amount of talent they have in that team, they should be unbelievable. Shout out to the Panthers, though. They're in first place right now. They're looking unbelievable. I don't know if you've seen them lately. Dude, stay on the Rangers, though. Panthers, I don't care about till Chase gets called up. <laughs> Boxy's getting so much praise, man. Like, people are. Yeah, that's like. 
he's playing he's playing sick like he looks like the literally the best defenseman or player on the team it's unreal yeah. no he's uh he's definitely something special I actually want to give a shout out to my cousin Jason who tweeted there and I was pretty funny he was like the future of the Rangers is a black defenseman and a Jewish defenseman perfect for New York that was, <laughs> that was good um but let's let's go into the courtside Karen which was the most appropriate name possible I mean I don't know if the listeners know my mom's name is Karen I feel like she'd be one to yell at LeBron James and curse him out but is this wait is did, did you come up with this name or is that what they've been calling it well LeBron tweeted that he tweeted oh, yeah. Courtside Karen is mad mad. I was dying. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. I, I mean, I'm a LeBron guy. I love LeBron, but um, I know people shit on him. And like, once again, people just jump to conclusions and assume, you know, I mean, not that we know, but what do you guys think? Like, I think if you're paying to sit courtside, especially in a pandemic, like that's, I think that's part of the experience. Like you should be able to yell at players, but like, I mean, depending on what you say, you shouldn't be able to like offend them or like, you know, I don't want to get into it too much. I don't want to get into it too much, but I personally think that like it's complete bullshit. Who's what's his name on the Knicks? Who's been on the sideline for years? Spike Lee. Yeah, Spike Lee. You think Spike Lee said some crazy ass shit throughout the years? Definitely has. And he's, I mean, he's a legend. He's staying there. Like, come on. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm with you on that. Like, but it's LeBron. That's, obviously, it's going to be a bigger deal than it is. Huh. What do you think, Maxie? The only thing that makes this different is the fact that there's like literally no fans in the stand, so you hear everything. Yeah, it's not like there's a lot of noise. So I don't know. I don't know what, like, obviously there's a line <laughs> throwing out, throwing out a fan. I mean that like, you got to do something pretty bad for that to happen. In my opinion, I really want to know what was said. Yeah. I can't believe you decide. <laughs> I mean, that woman came out with like 10 Instagram stories, like telling her side of the story. Like that's the crazy part about this generation. Like, the internet was all over that within like five minutes after this lady got thrown out of the game. This lady's probably her, the amount of followers she has on social media blown up. She's loving this right now. She'll probably be on every sports podcast. If she's Jewish, exactly. we should get her on. Like, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah we, her name was um, Randy Slimowitz or something. <laughs> what was her actual name? Do you know? No, I have not a clue in the world. Randy Slimowitz used to come out because they even put a rant. <laughs> that's funny. That's good stuff. I mean, that's all I got to say about that. But, um, so since we're having Dan on, the CEO of Overtime, I thought I'd ask you guys a quick question. Um, could lead into a good conversation. We'll see, though. Um, so what's the most exciting overtime that you've either seen in major sports or in real life? We'll give it to you, Johnny and I, or, and Maxie, maybe maybe in real life. And then what's one change you would make to an overtime rule, whether that's in hockey, basketball, um, football, MLB, doesn't matter. Because I got a couple stored up here. Um, but I don't want to start. I want to hear your guys first. I've honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go because I have two off the top of my head. I've, I've been like super fortunate to, to go to like really exciting sports games in the past. I was at the, uh, the famous Carmelo Bulls game when he hit the tying three in regulation and then the winning three in overtime against the Bulls on like Easter. That game was, that game was so sick. I was there with my friends Reed and I think um, Josh and my friend Holden, who I'll give a shout out to, didn't come that day. I think he got like grounded or something and he missed the game, which was hilarious. But then I was at the... Uh, well, that was an OT. No, it was OT. He, he had the tying three in regulation and then the winning three in overtime. Oh, really? I thought, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I think I'm right, though. I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but. I think, I think you're wrong. No, you know what? I'll bet you five bucks after the recording. We'll check it out. I don't, I'm not, I'm not too confident. Okay. So. Okay. Well, I'm going to take the win on this one because I think I'm right. But then I was also, Cap, you'll appreciate this. I was at the, uh, the Derek Stepan overtime goal against Washington in game seven. Like Ooh, the Rangers wow. move on to Tampa, like that one. That game was so sick. That game was awesome. Yeah. How about you guys? I miss, uh, I miss Ranger Stepan. I liked him when he was there. 
Who's the I best? Who's the best? Um, I mean, I think the greatest game ever. I mean, I'm a Jet fan. I hate the Patriots, but I have to say it is is uh, Falcons Patriots Super Bowl when they came back, got the ball, and then went down the field and scored. I mean, that was that was legendary, and that was that was the year of the Deflate Gate when yeah. Brady missed the first four games. So there there was like even after they won, people were shocked, and then it was also like, oh, what's the interaction going to be uh, be with Goodell and Brady. I mean, I like that was that was legendary. Dude, you should have seen the UMass campus that night. That was my freshman year. People were going fucking nuts. It was actually sick. I have a lot of cool videos from that that I can't really show, obviously, on here, but that was that was a sick night. I missed the uh the flake it. Like whatever happened to that? <laughs> just got go away or what? I it was just that season. They were like caught cheating, but oh. But they got they got in trouble for it, no? Yeah, Brady was suspended. I mean, yeah, Patriots did a lot of a lot of things. That that whole scandal. <laughs> um, well, I guess I'm gonna go off the board and I'm gonna take one of my own. Uh, <laughs> Laz, you're a part of this though as well. It was the uh, 22 man shootout. We're gonna give it because it was extra time overtime. That's fine. We'll give it to the 22 man shootout: Wichita Falls Wildcats versus the Lone Star Brahmas in Wichita Falls. Um, super relatable to our listeners. <laughs> well, I had to explain it. It was a hockey game basically when we were in um, playing juniors, where basically where I met last for the first time. And um, we ended up going into a 22 round shootout. I believe it was the Jersey auction night too. Was it not? Well, so, it was was just, so it was just a wild night in general. They were our, our big rival team. And um, man, it, yeah. It, I mean, tell me you, you won't always remember that game. It's just like, well, for what it's worth, I went first and I missed. So <laughs> <laughs> go again <laughs> so i was on the bench for like 30 minutes just watching the rest of it <laughs> but there was just like some classic ones like Hein. remember like heinzy went in oh my god our boy heinzy scored a big goal Shout out to our boy heinzy big goal there but um yeah and then one thing you guys would change about overtime i'm gonna start i would just like thought of this i was like just like to make it the game exciting like why not make nba like three on three overtime <laughs> half quarter full half ah! Half court take back would be kind of sick. I don't know. Yeah, like something like that, dude. Just oh, could you imagine the like just the excitement that would be crazy. Obviously, like people wouldn't would have an extreme problem with that, but dude. Yeah, no, I feel that. I feel Speaking that. Speaking like like hyping up the big three more, like <laughs> dude, I would I, like off that. I think like what the NHL does with three on three is awesome, but I hate like I hate the shootout. I think they should be like, dude, lacrosse Braveheart. Have you ever seen like a Braveheart? it's like a one-on-one like it's a face-off and it's like you just first one player in the goalie i think hockey did like you know five minutes three on three four minutes four four minutes two on two and three minutes yeah. on one we eat something like this at ryan mead yeah he's he's our boy but i hated that idea <laughs> i was so sick but also i, I do want to give a shout out to soccer man golden goal soccer is so exciting like in the world cup and stuff yeah penalty kicks are, are very that's one of the best parts of soccer for sure that was... i'm gonna focus on uh, i'll do the nba first the OT, I liked what they did with the All-Star game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I would like to see them just to, like, no matter what, there's a buzzer beater, to set it like, all right, uh, no clock, first team to so-and-so, and there's a buzzer beater. That's it. There's no, you know, triple OT, seven OT. Let's just. They did that in the TBT tournament that Seth Greenberg uh, talked about. Yeah. That was cool. They had like a, it was like a walk-off foul shot. It's like when yep. the game. 
the walk-off foul shot that was in the all-star game too which kind of yeah sucked. yeah i'm saying that was the same thing it was cool though yeah yes yeah, so even uh, after like that though then it sucks <laughs> i guess right but i also think that there it should be if you're going to intentionally foul or when you get there like maybe you lose points so it doesn't end like that like if you intentionally foul you lose a point i don't know i feel like that's just overcomplicating it i don't know it's What's probably wrong? not going to happen and there's I'm not Adam Silver. The other one is with the NFL. I hate it. I know it was my pick for for my favorite OT, but if you get the ball first and you score a touchdown, the game's over. I don't really like that. Maybe you don't do that for every single regular season game, but for the playoffs and especially the Super Bowl, I think you got to give the other team a chance to come back and at least tie it or – or something like you do the college playoff. Well, college uh, is perfect. Yeah, college. Right. Is cool. I hate ties as well, too, dude. Regular season ties, like fuck that. In in NFL, I think that's the stupidest thing in the world. Well, I'm 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 just talking about for. No, I know for overtime. Yeah, for for winner, more so for the playoffs and regular season. I get why they put a limit for regular season games because you can't have these games going on for what uh, four hours. Yeah, yeah, it's ready. It's ready. Sixty minutes. You can't have them play ninety minutes and have a five day turnaround for their next game. Yeah, but just as like the from a player standpoint, just like going out grinding, like oh, we're gonna win this, boys, and then tie. I would just be like so deflated going in the locker room, being like, oh my god, dude, we just broke our freaking backs for this bullshit. But well, you guys want to say, Johnny? I was just say with, with tying too. My Mercier's coach used to say this too. Like, there's two different kinds of ties, right? Like there's a team that blew the lead and tied and like they feel deflated and there's a team that came back and tied and they feel like it's a win. So like tying definitely has like two different vibes to it, but yeah, I think it's just a waste of time. Facts, facts, facts. Um, Before we get into Oive, I do want to talk about one of our wonderful sponsors, Bagel Master, family-owned bagel store located in Syosset. Been a member of the community for over 30 years, actually 31 now, I believe since it's 2021. Um, (laughs) But they offer everything, bagels, homemade baked goods, and they got amazing matzo ball soup, smoked fish, whatever you want. Follow them at the Bagel Master. Of course, try our wonderful locker room sandwich that our beautiful Johnny created over there. Um, but they're amazing. Go check them out. Um, now, I think we should get into a little Oy vey action. Um, I'm going to start because mine's a little sad. Um, and then we'll ha- let you guys hype it up a little bit. But um, I don't know if you guys saw, but Dustin Diamond, who a.k.a. Screech from Saved by the Bell, passed away at age 44. Um, and I just remember, like, waking up, like, middle school. Like, that's, like, the show that was on TV. That's the show like, I was watching when I came home, too. And I got into, like, a, a bit. I binged it as a kid pretty hard. And um, he was a classic character, a great actor, died of cancer way too early, way too soon. I never so, watched it, but my Bill at Mom Mary used to call me Slater from – like Mario Lopez. <laughs> I Slater. guess I looked, like, I looked like him at that point. Maybe I don't, I mean, it's a huge compliment, but that's, you know, who AC Slater is. He's Mario Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mary, Mary said I used to look like him and I was like, I don't see it at all, but I'll, I'll fucking take that any day of the week. <laughs> oh, just Mary hyping you up. How sweet. Yeah, she's the best. What do you got for us, Maxie? What happened with Robin Hood this past week? Absolutely fucking criminal. I don't, I mean, I don't really know the stock market. I don't know if you, yeah, I'll, ex- I'll explain uh, college course. I'll, I'll, I'll explain it to you in a way that you'll understand what happened. Do you like the, the Michael Scott talk to me? Like I'm a dumb 10th grader or no, like fifth grade, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> and she, 
since you um, you like to gamble and sports bet, it would be like if you and a bunch of your friends and the rest of the public rode, let's say they rode the Chiefs when they were playing the the Bills and the line and whatever. Everyone was riding the Chiefs money line or spread, whatever it was. The Chiefs, the Chiefs are up by 42 points at halftime. Your bookie cancels the bet for everyone. Yeah, it's scummy. So that like that's essentially what what uh what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and nice. then and then the guy gets on saying he doesn't there's no liquidity issue, and then he goes on like three or four days later and then says there was a liquidity issue. It's just so schemy, such bullshit. Yeah, no, people were pretty livid about that. But I just tried to make make fun with it on Twitter and talk about Mesopotamia. <laughs> I've been looking to looking for a way to like plug Mesopotamia into a tweet for so long, and I was like, "This is perfect." <laughs> or mitochondria. Mitochondria. That was another one. But um, well, because that the whole the whole Mesopotamia thing started. I was drunk like two weeks ago, and me and Ellie were talking about the Fairly Odd Parents character, like the alien from Yugopotamia. Do you remember him, Mark? Yep. yep. Humans. <laughs> like that guy. <laughs> I love that guy, but I'm, I'm going to go into my OFA. I'm going to shit on my friend Holden for a second here. Um, Holden recently turned 25 and he like wanted to post on Instagram 25 of his like most significant moments throughout life, like 25 separate posts on Instagram. And I was like, dude, like everyone who follows you is going to unfollow. Like that's like the most annoying thing. Yeah. Like no one gives a fuck. And he goes, I don't care. Like, I just want to have it on my like Instagram for my own memory. And I was like, damn, I never really thought like people would use Instagram that way, but that like makes sense. You know, like you just want to have it online so you can always like look at it. Call but, a photo album. What's up? Call a photo album. I guess, but he had, he ended up losing like, like we set the over under at 8.5 and he, lo- he lost like 26 followers. But <laughs> Shut up. I just think it's funny. Like people were texting me like, yo, it's holding good. Like what's going on? And I was like, yeah, he's good. It's just like typical holding. But I thought it was, honestly, I thought it was like kind of funny. And he, uh, something I'm going to steal from him. I told him I like this idea, but he like tweeted out the night before he was like, I'm turning 25 tomorrow. All I want for my birthday is a written note of a story or like moment that we've shared together. I thought that was like a really cool idea. So he was like reading emails the whole day, which was awesome. He's in Israel, by the way, also. So he's like, like kind of alone. He's staying with his aunt, but just cool to like hear from, like he heard from like random kids we went to camp with, like about like a, you know, moment he never even thought of. Like, it's kind of a cool topic. Did he post 25 of them like back to back to back to back to back? Yeah. Like just scrolling through all Holden's posts, but it was like all collages. Like there was like 10 pictures in each one, but it was like, like people were commenting. Like it was kind of fun and like cute. You know? I would lose my mind. I would be the one that unfollowed him for sure. I wasn't, I wasn't surprised. He lost a lot of followers though, but I, I never understood the point of unfollowing someone. You can mute, you can mute people on, on Instagram. I mean, that's what I was going to get into also. Like when you do unfollow someone on Instagram, like you're basically just telling them, I don't give a fuck about anything you do anymore. Right. <laughs> you're going, you're literally going out of your way. Sometimes it's, it's about your KD. Your what? No. What's I, a KD? I say that as like, it's like gaming terms, like kill death ratio, but I'm thinking like your ratio and social media. But you know, who the worst people are though. Like if you do unfollow someone and like, let's say you see them like a week later and they say, Oh, like, why'd you unfollow me? Like, like what? Like who, who asked? That's such a weird, like awkward situation. No, now they have like um, things on, on the computer. You see who unfollowed you. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. These people like no, like they see oh, one yeah. less follower and they like go to the app and see it, and then like they'll be like, "Hey, like, why'd you unfollow me on Instagram?" I was like, "Oh, I, I just like you know, I don't care. <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't care about your whole entire life. I really don't yeah. give a fuck what you're saying." <laughs> 
Well, that's all I have to say about that. Um, let's kick it over to Dan. Great interview coming. You guys will really enjoy it. Let's do it. This guy grew up in Haverford, Pennsylvania, and was bar mitzvahed at Temple Beth David. He's had an extremely successful career with his creation of Draw Something, serving as the first president of Teach for America, and his current position as the founder and CEO of the digital sports platform called Overtime. We're super excited that he's here and taking his time to talk to us. Welcome to the Locker Room Podcast, Dan Porter. Dan, how you doing? Let's go. <laughs> that was very on-brand of Overtime for you, throwing the peace sign up. I like that. I like that. That's good stuff. But it's also, it's not very often we have a, a Philly sports fan on here. I do want to start off just by saying I'm going to give you a chance to defend the Philly sports fans because a lot of them are kind of known as scumbags. I know you grew up a Flyers fan. I know you told me that in, uh, in DM. So here's your chance to rebuttal. What's up with Philly sports fans? I think that, look, Philly is a, it's a tough place. And so you got tough fans and you know, it's true of a lot of cities. If you if you're from LA, you got Hollywood. If you're in New York City, you got all the New York City stuff. You got like Philly, Cleveland, all these cities, and like the sports team has outsized importance. And yeah, like you know, I'll, we don't like people fucking with us. <laughs> well, uh, that that's how it goes, and we're uh, we're passionate. That's why you know, every day I come home from work. Well, I'm already home anyway, and I just rewatch Silver Linings Playbook. <laughs> I was curious if you were going to drop any F-bombs with us. I'm happy we got one out of the way. <laughs> Falafel, you mean? <laughs> there's, there's a Jewish humor. Yep. All right. So what are we going to talk about besides how Philly is the greatest sports town and we once won a Super Bowl and might not for a long time? <laughs> I think we all watched your TED Talk. And the one thing that I enjoyed listening to is when you broke down sporting events and how pricey it was. Mm-hmm. So Arthur Blank dropped the prices for food, beverages in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Do you think that because of how the home experience is to watch games, and obviously now with COVID, people might not be willing to go to big, big events right away, do you think that we could see other owners copying that and reciprocating it? Um, that's a good question. So I don't know if he dropped the price of all food. I think he dropped like hot dogs and whatever else. I think there's a couple variables. Number one is that it depends on the balance between season ticket and individual ticket holders. So if you're, you know, 80, 90% season tickets, like they're already in, right? And, and, and like, like if you're a New York Giants fan, it's like you pass those on and everything else like that. Whereas if you are trying to grow your season ticket base or you have a ton of kind of individual game it's like is it really worth it to squeeze them at that last minute or they come and they're like wow this is really fairly valued and it's not like people don't expect it but it's still jarring when you're paying 15 20 for a hot dog or 10 dollars for a soda you can buy in the store for a dollar so I think like all things, it really, it's like audience development and it really depends on where your levers are for making money. Um, You know, if apparel is a way higher margin and the average person has a fixed amount in their wallet, 
you want to send them to the higher margin things. And then it's about fan loyalty and, and other things like that. So I'm sure there's internal data that either shows, you know, we need to sell more season tickets or people are complaining about this or anything else like that. And so I think when you look at things like that, you tend to think like, there's only one lever and that's the price of a ticket. But like anything, like when you're negotiating for a job and then you get into benefits and vacation days, like there's a lot of different levers that you can pull as an owner. And if your instinct is just to like pull all of them to raise prices because you have such a premium product um, and, and you get some, you know, your net promoter score is lower, your satisfaction score is lower, then you're not building a long-term business. So my guess is he knows some stuff that we don't know. I mean, it's not just like he's a nice guy and wants you to pay less for your hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, what the net profit was, but I know that the overall sales like skyrocketed once he did yeah. that. Yeah. So, I mean, and anybody can build that out in a spreadsheet. Certainly if you buy the hot dog, you might be more likely to buy the soda. Soda's probably a more higher margin uh, item, you know, all, all of those things probably make, make sense in tandem. Well, what do you think like post pandemic, all those prices are going to look like just because there's, I mean, there should be more people coming into the stadium. I imagine they want to make up for lost time and, and lost money. Do you think that's going to what's the, fluctuate maybe, I guess? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I feel like the world is like filled with two people, two types, one type, it's like, well, I can't ever imagine going to a movie theater or a game or a concert ever again. It's kind of freaking me out. And the other is like, oh my God, I've been waiting for this. I'm first in line. I'm going to come in. By dint of that, you know, if the pool used to be out of a hundred people, a hundred want to go to a live game, even if only 80 want to go to a live game now, um, it's still a smaller pool. And I, I think, you know, the way you operate in that is you just, you don't assume you're going to make that money back. I mean, that was a loss you've got to essentially build the base and the business and you got to maintain, you got to make sure that the business remains healthy. And so, uh, and it really depends who your consumer base is. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're at the Staples Center and you have a, you know, a high income and it's where you want to be seen and you're with your clients or you're in, you know, you're some hedge fund guy who goes to the Knicks. I don't think that they really think about that a lot, but in, you know, in cities where they care about cultivating the fan base and it's a different type of fan base, I do think that they will, they'll think about that. And my guess is most people first and foremost will, will focus on getting to hundred percent attendance. So if that's a lever by lowering prices, you know, that that's where they'll try to go rather than squeeze the people who decided to come. Totally. And I, I know uh, you're talking to three guys who grew up with Jewish mothers. I'm assuming your mother is Jewish as well. Yes. So obviously Jewish mothers are very, very, uh, they emphasize education. So, you know, your parents are both college professors and you obviously value education very highly. Um, I just, I'm curious to ask you about kids development right now, like over the last 10 months, obviously it's going to play a major effect down the road with how they learned and everything, but also like in relation to sports, do you think kids aren't being educated in athletics right now just because they're doing zoom gym or zoom practice? And I know, I mean, I'm just going to say hockey is an example because, you know, I'm a hockey player, obviously, and that's my background, but on Long Island rinks aren't open to the public. So a lot of young hockey players aren't getting that exposure. You know, what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, look, from age zero to 18, every, every year matters. I mean, your brain plasticity, your ability to learn, um, your peer influence, like you go through any number of developmental milestones 
um, that are massive compared to age 30 to 40 or 40 to 50. Um, and so any disruption from those, I mean, you can go back and look at, you know, people who had polio and couldn't go to school or people who had some, you know, something that made them sick and they were unable to participate comes very hard. So on the academic level, it becomes hard to stay at reading level, at grade level, your social development. And look at, for sports, you've got social development, right? You've got to deal with the coach. You've got to deal with the other players. You've got to deal with all of that. You've got physical development. You've got brain development, like spatial recognition to understand how to pass and how to move. And losing a whole year of that, I mean, if that didn't matter, then nobody would redshirt right? Like the whole yeah. reason you redshirt is because it matters so much that even a year can make a massive difference there. Um, and I think you'll probably end up seeing or will end up seeing ripple effects both in academic and sports education and performance for years to come. I mean, when I think about my own life, it's just, it's kind of crazy because I remember like being 10, 11 years old and I would get home from school. I'd get my soccer shit on, go to soccer practice, then go to hockey practice, then basketball practice. And it's kind of crazy that kids aren't even like able to do that for me. It's just like so weird to think about if I had a year off of that, would I still enjoy it and want to go back to it when I could do it again? Yeah. Well, some of the enjoyment is tied to the appreciation of your advancement and skill level, um, which you lose for sure. And I mean, think about, you know, you often see these pro athletes and when they talk about their bio, you realize that they had an older sibling. And so when they were younger, they were competing against kids who were bigger and older, their brother or sister and their brother or sister's friends. Um, and that, that sped up their, their development. Um, or like Christian McCaffrey, they played like three sports and they were really able to essentially cross train. And in this case, yeah, you've lost a year of development. You've potentially also said, well, now that I took that year off and I spent all my time playing Call of Duty or Fortnite or doing something else like that, maybe those are as interesting to me. So do I, do I think it's going to be seismic and turn it upside down? No, because lots of kids love to play sports and they watch sports and they always will. But do I think it'll have an impact if you were tracking on a longitudinal mass study? 100%. Speaking of uh, childhood and growing up, what was, uh, what was your go-to sports growing up? Were you pretty athletic or what? For a young Jewish lad, I was in <laughs> medium athleticism. Uh, I played a lot of baseball. Uh, soccer was a much smaller sport. Um, so I played little league. I played varsity baseball. I played, you know, some soccer. Uh, and then everything else was street. So I played street football. You know, I played football with my neighbor where if he had the ball, he would tackle you in the street, <laughs> and keep running. Um, you know, we played we played hockey actually in the driveway. My mom, I'm with a, with a goalie stick and I made my mom play goalie all of Bernie Perron. <laughs> I was goalie. She hit one of my neighbors in the face and knocked out one of his teeth. No um, so it was a lot. And then of course, if you play baseball, tons of wiffle ball uh, and everything else like that. So it was kind of like your suburban thing. I never went to sports camp. A couple kids went to Pele soccer camp, but I think the whole sports industrial complex just was not, was not the same. Um, there weren't even a ton of club sports. Club sports were more if you played a sport 
like a soccer or lacrosse that wasn't as supported at the school level. And so, uh, it, you know, it ultimately it was a little bit of everything, but I was, I was a pitcher. That was like my main thing. I got to backtrack to the street football thing. Like I, I immediately took me to that scene in Invincible with Mark Wahlberg when he plays Vince Papali. Yeah. Is that like a real thing? Like when people gather in like a little caged field and just beat the shit out of each other? Yeah. That actually so, happened? We had like a street, you'd put trash cans in either side and try to convince people that the street was closed. Uh, and then every play was like a bomb. Uh, <laughs> and then if you could whack somebody and knock them over or tackle them accidentally, then <laughs> for sure. No way. That's insane. And yeah. I'm just imagining a bunch of little Jewish boys doing that too. It's even funnier. Uh, <laughs> actually, we were the, there was two Jewish families and we lived across the street from each other or next door to each other. And then nobody else was Jewish. Oh, no so way. Really? It was, it was a real, it was definitely a mixture for sure. Any stickball on the street? <laughs> there was, I, you know, part of me always wish I grew up in like Brooklyn in like the forties or whatever, but not, not a lot of stickball. The houses were pretty close together. Uh, so, well, I already broke windows with other ball, so. <laughs> really wiffle ball. It was like what you could do as a pitcher with the wiffle ball is always amazing. Wiffle ball is coming back. I keep seeing videos on social media of like little wiffle ball leagues with like little home run fences. It's like sports cards. It has like a huge nostalgia factor. Yeah, it's great. I kind of want to get in the league. Yeah, I'm a little interested though. Like you only said, you said you grew up um, in Philly with only one Jew other Jewish family across the street from you. How was that growing up? I mean, especially um, you know back in, in in the early the early ages. I know it was a little different with religion and stuff like that. Um, like, how was it? Just I guess adapting and, and being around people who weren't the same religion as you. I mean, it was fun. I don't think I really thought about it that much. I mean, I went to Hebrew school, and there were Jewish kids and non-Jewish kids who went to my high school. Um, I think it was, you know, I was more located probably ultimately like in my neighborhood because, you know, it's like probably like Long Island. You got a series of towns and a series of neighborhoods and, you know, a series of little leagues. And, and that's kind of like your general perception uh, of the world. I, I ultimately ended up going to Quaker school, and which was more than 50% Jewish. But, uh, you know, I think you just kind of it was what it was and the kids were who they were. And as long as you could get enough people together for football or wiffle ball or whatever else we were doing, nobody, nobody thought about it much. Yeah. I was just interested because it was, it, it was, it's, it was unique growing up playing hockey all my life and being like the only Jewish kid on my team and having to, to go about that process and stuff like that. I'm, um, I'm sure in like organized sports, it's probably, you know, pro pro probably fairly different. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It, it was actually a, a great experience, to be honest with you. I really had no issues or anything like that. I was just curious to see if you had any different situations. Not really. It was chill. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the weird thing, though, Cap, like for us, like I grew, like you mentioned, Long Island. Max and I are both from Long Island. I'm Syosset. He's Port Washington. But we were in like very Jewish neighborhoods, so it was weird to like, you know, everyone's talking about Hanukkah at school, and then you go to the rink, and not one person knows what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's good. Spare it's eye opening. Time. Yeah. Dan, I just want to talk to you more about the direction that sports are headed in. I was talking to my dad before we hopped on here, just about overtime in general. I was trying to explain it to him. And, you know, I was just talking to him about like the young generation sports fans and how they only like follow players. Now, my cousin, Michael, who's in 10th grade is a huge Russell Westbrook fan. And he was a, his room was painted Oklahoma city colors and now the rockets and now the wizards, whatever team Westbrook's on these days. But um, you know, for him, how does overtime appeal to a middle-aged man when it's more of a, 
you know, young generation focusing on the athletes of tomorrow kind of company? Yeah. So it doesn't. Um, also, <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> like, you know, I think that whenever you're, you know, whether we're starting over time or, or you're starting some type of business, it's like, you've got to find market segments that are available to you where the current user is not satisfied. And so for someone like your dad, he's probably fully satisfied with everything he got. It's like, if you decided to make like an insanely nutritious, like protein bar, and then you went in the line at a fast food restaurant and you try to convince them to stop eating that and eat this instead, like, they're like, I'm happy. I'm in line at this fast food restaurant. Like I get what I get, but there might be someone else who's like browsing the supermarket. Who's like, I can't find anything I want here. So I think for us, it was just an understanding that look, every generation has different habits and they're sometimes, you know, they're sometimes impacted by history or they impact history. You can look at the sixties, you can look at the baby boomers, you can look at all those. And a lot of times they're impacted by technology, whether that's television, radio, social media. And, you know, for our core audience, it's, it's an audience that grew up, you know, and their first phone probably had a screen on it. Um, And nobody needed to have a TV in their room because they had a TV on their computer and a TV in their hand. And so, and what matters to them is more like I'm, I imagine, you know, that our audience might care more about climate change than your dad. Not that he doesn't care. About <laughs> like when, if he's probably around my age, like it was, it just wasn't like something we thought about when we were growing up. And so you go and you try to serve that audience. Like the goal isn't to be like, oh, you should like overtime and you should stop doing this and you should do anything else like that. So our audience, I mean, even if you focus on people born between 1996 and 2010, which is like your Gen Z markers, I mean, that's 75 million people in the United States alone yeah. and, you know, over a billion worldwide. So I feel like, you know, a little bit like Snap, right? Like Snap, you know, I doubt your parents are big Snapchat users. But they just like stalk for, us. <laughs> for the core Snapchat user, you know, th- that's a really big market. And, and by the way, Brands, advertisers, partners, they like it when you have an audience segment, you know, and and also it allows you to focus as a company. So I'm not really, if those people enjoy the content and they want to be part of the community, that's awesome. But I don't focus on trying to get them to give up what they're doing now and take on new behavior. But then on top of that, like, let's say, you know, my dad is a parent with a younger son, let's say, you know eighth to 10th grade who wants to play division one basketball or football is he more inclined to get into overtime because that's what all the kids are following and maybe like oh i can get my son or daughter on overtime's platform then then they'll get recruited you know is that like something yeah i mean that that's not really our mission i i don't necessarily play in the parent space or the recruitment space in fact if you look at why overtime was successful or has been successful you know you you could say that the kind of high school space or the kind of pre-professional space for years was dominated by only two groups. People who cared about recruiting. So like, say you went to Michigan, you really care. Oh, Michigan signed a four-star offensive tackle or something else like that. Or by parents who cared about their kids. Both of them were fairly saturated. There's lots of message boards on recruiting. There's, you know, people trying to serve the parent market. Neither of them were that interesting you know, they, there are no giant companies that really do either. And, and so the, the, the available market for those were small. I think we came in and we said like, neither of these are serving the young viewer. At the end of the day, our mission isn't, isn't really to just 
cover high school sports for the sake of high school sports. Our mission is to aggregate a massive audience of tens of millions of people, part of Gen Z and millennials and become their, their like number one sports platform. And so if we can do that by showing high school basketball, then that's a huge win. If every single person in Gen Z was like, I hate basketball and I only care about spike ball, I'd show spike ball. <laughs> Like even if it's not played in the high school. So, you you know, our, our, our product, so to speak, isn't high school basketball videos. Our product is the community that we build and the brand that we build around that. Now, is it is it valuable for him? Sure, you can learn about the market. And I mean, we've everyone who works at Overtime has had multiple experiences where a parent or somebody kind of comes up to you when you're wearing that shirt and says, hey, you know, my, my son, you guys put my son on overtime and he gained 50,000 followers and got five D1 offers the next day. Um, that's not really why we create the platform or it's not our mission, but it shows you that exposure is always challenging um, and there's a, there's a validation in it. But, you know, the best thing your brother can do to get that offer is to be good at sports, not to try to get on overtime. To pick up on what what you're saying and like if someone likes spike ball to pivot and start showing more spike ball, how important is it to listen to people that are probably making these big decisions? They're older, but to understand what the consumer wants, it's a much younger audience. How important is it to listen to the younger people that are either working in the company or to reach out so that you know to pivot so you're not too late to the game? Yeah. So first of all, I mean, I wouldn't call it a pivot. Like a pivot is when you just do something radically different. You know, it's just, it's just a kind of reorienting of where your content lens goes. But look, number one, you can listen to the audience, um, you know, on mass by looking at your analytics, you can post seven different players. And if two of them pop off and five of them don't generate saves and shares and likes, the audience has mass voted. And so because you're able to get analytics on all social platforms, you, you have an idea of what that is, um, you know, and you have, you have much deeper, you have the, you have watch time, you know, when they click out of the videos and when they don't. The second is for sure, you know, you build a team of incredibly ambitious young people who try to make the stuff that they want to watch combined with the analytics um, and then third is, you know, you're, 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 you or us are participating in the internet as a whole. So it's not like I don't go watch Mr. Beast videos or David Dobrik or anyone <laughs> else or, you know, Charlie D'Amelio's on TikTok. Like they're all people who are creators in a creative digital environment. And the numbers show that people want to watch that. Um, my only kind of initial insight into that was I, I was running the talent division at a big at a big agency that represented these creators and it was like how come all these young people weren't watching sports but they were watching this other thing you know well what can we learn from all the internet and everything else like that and bring it and apply it to sports and i think sports has so traditionally been filtered through a lens of either the newspaper or you know a, a sports network like an espn that there hasn't been hasn't been upset in the way that, you know, digital content has. And by the way, I could watch an Eagles game in the seventies on Monday night football, and I could watch an Eagles game today. And what that's 50 years later, 40 years later, it looks exactly the same. You know, you could have taken the 1976 version of me, show me Snapchat, Fortnite, the iPhone. I'd have no idea what the heck I was looking at whatsoever. You show me 
you know, the NFC championship game. I'm like, oh, where's Howard Cosell? That's football. I know what that is. Maybe that's there's a yellow line on the screen and that's the only difference. That is an interesting point though. I mean, especially, and, and I know you've talked. Interesting points, my guy. <laughs> I don't know. I found it, I found it pretty interesting. I like the, I love like the, the young, the young, like uh, the lingo, my guy, the peace sign is over. Like you're a young dude. I'm an old dude, but I, I, uh, I appreciate the youth. No, that, that's what I picked up because it, it seems like that you really listen to yeah. your consumers and the younger people um, at overtime to really understand what it is that you yeah. need to like put I mean, out. I, mean, look, I, I come from a, a, a technology background and making, you know, digital technology products. And they talk a lot about product market fit. And in that, all, all that means is that you're essentially constantly iterating on the nature of your product, whether it's video, whether it's digital distribution, whether it's an app, whether it's a game. And when you hit that moment, when it's growing and everyone's using it, you figured it out. And when you hit that moment, it's not like when we started overtime, we had a million followers the next day, you know, for, I, I remember looking at our Instagram account for months and months. And if we could get a video with over 10,000 views, I thought we were like a hero. You know, and now if we get a video with under a couple hundred thousand views, like that, that's a disappointment. So, but you start to realize w- what works. And so all you have to do is take a lot of shots, you know, to use a hockey or a soccer or any other shooting metaphor. Um, and you have to figure out what works and you have to figure out where that user is and how they're being served. So we will talk to users a lot. Like I even, you know, I'm, I'm super interested in sports betting, not personally, but as like as more states come online. And we did a whole bunch of research with 25 year olds. We talked to hundreds of them. Why do you bet? How do you bet? And I learned all of this kind of crazy counterintuitive stuff I would never thought of if I had just sat in my room and tried to make something for sports betting. If you need three more guinea pigs for that, you're looking at it. <laughs> okay. All right. But I want I want to test your uh, your youth knowledge here. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping no one's ever asked you this before, but can you, can you Millie Rock? You know what that is? Uh, I, I'm not, I mean, you know, as, <laughs> as an elderly Jewish gentleman, uh, I can, you know, anything Havana Gila or Brooklyn <laughs> or other what, but you know, my, my general, da- my general dancing is, is fairly weak. What's that one called? Anyone know like the, the, one? Whoa. the, the what? The whoa, whoa. the whoa, the whoa. Yeah. There it is. There it is. It is. It is cool to hear how uh, much of a young soul that you are, though. I mean, it shows. It shows in the company, but it's cool that it extends up to the CEO. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm not intentionally trying to, to be young, but I, I run a company that's going after a certain market, and I'm willing to listen, and watch, and and pay attention, and learn. And as an individual, I love culture. I like TV shows, movies, music, and. To me, as even a history major, it's just so fascinating how, you know, history at large writes culture and culture writes history. And it's important to understand all those things. And I, 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 I teach one class a year at NYU and I learn a ton from all the students there as well and just how they see the world. We've been talking so much sports. I forgot for a second that we were talking to the guy who created Draw Something. So obviously, you know how the younger generation, you know, works. I mean, you're, you're a huge reason why I got girls in middle school or high school, whatever it was. But uh, thank well, you. So thank, thank you for assisting me with that. Uh, you're welcome. But, but <laughs> you got them. I just built the platform for it. That was I before mean, I lost all my teeth, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember at some point I did a Google image search for like draw something drawings. And I think there were 10 billion results. 
That's insane. Uh, at that time, we used to have a little counter and it would show downloads and how many drawings were being made. And it couldn't, like the computational power couldn't keep up with it. So it was like hundreds of thousands every minute and then it would freeze and then would jump ahead by, by a massive amount. But, but I think it's, it's something similar in that I wasn't trying to convince people to stop playing another game. I was just, you know, at that time, you know, you had the phone, right? Which is a connected device. And all we had was single player games on the phone, Angry Birds, you know, all these games. And so, you know, I could have made a single player game. It probably would not have been as good or as big, but in that, and then I would have been saying, stop playing Angry Birds and play my game. Instead, I went to try to kind of look for open space, which was in the more social element. Now that you know that, I guess, would you be like super frustrated if you went to a live sporting event and you saw a kid sitting like front row playing draw something? <laughs> um, I would say no, because that can <laughs> you what they're interested in doing. And that, that, that's on the live sporting event. That's uh-huh. Draw something. Who was it though? I think it was like D Wade a couple of years ago in the finals. It was like him and his kid sitting front row, I think Cavs warriors. And his kid was like on his phone the whole time courtside of the NBA finals. Yeah, well, that, that's why we started overtime. <laughs> he's he's at the NBA Finals Game Seven, watching overtime highlights of Zion Williamson. <laughs> yeah, well, what, whatever. It's like if the, if it's not for me to judge, it's for me to build around and learn from. Mm-hmm. That is so funny. The the other crazy thing with the NBA and the bubble is viewership, like TV viewership, went down, but total engagement on social media was like through the roof. Yeah, because people want to they want to consume in the way that they want to consume. Right. So forcing them to consume. Look, cable penetration just went below 50% in the United States. So half the people don't even have access to it. And we can sit around and say, oh, it's terrible. They don't want to watch a live game and this and that. But it's like people want to do what they want to do. And so you can either choose to essentially build around that or not. And and we've obviously chosen to build around that. Now, it, it means on the long term that it's definitely challenging for the economic model Right. So if you have newspapers and newspapers make all their money, if you vaguely remember getting a newspaper out of your parents' driveway when you were growing up, buy classifieds. Every weekend there'd be a giant classified. There's a shoe sale and models, used cars, everything else like that. Then you come along with Craigslist and all these platforms where they give away classifieds for free. And it fundamentally alters the economics of the of the newspaper business forever. And it never gets to be back where it was. Um, so, or in the music industry, it goes down and then streaming becomes so pervasive that it actually claws its way all the way back to where it was in the CD age. So I I think that you can't fight the tape as they say, but you you have to really think about what your economic model is and, and how you adjust around that and trying to stop it the way that, you know, if you remember in your Napster days that they tried to stop all of that, it was, it was just pointless. You know, what, what people were saying is they just didn't like the options and you could spend your whole life trying to get them to stop file sharing. But ultimately that, that's all streaming is like for that cost, you get everything and you don't need to file share. It was about waiting to have that better solution rather than just policing, you know, behavior that's that's breaking it. And, and I think you see it across all sports, right? Look at the number of, like two of the top three draft picks in the NBA didn't go to college, right? James Wiseman, obviously, and then LaMelo Ball. 
And so now you have people saying that other systems don't work for them, right? They don't want to go to the university. They want to be able to go and play. And so they're hacking and changing the system. Or you see, you know, the MBA allowing people to smoke marijuana who are in the MBA. They're saying, I don't want to take these other pills or do this other stuff. I want to choose whatever. And so people vote with their behavior. And if you pay attention to that, you can optimize whatever you're doing in life around it. And if you don't, you can spend your whole time cracking down and suspending players for smoking weed, even though weed might be legal in their state, or you can understand. And, and I, you know, you give Adam Silver and the, the whole team an enormous amount of credit around that, of just being realistic about what the world is and, and, and operating off of understanding behavior. I don't even think they're testing for weed anymore in the NBA, right? They stopped this year. Yeah, yeah. it's the bubble. Yeah. They're putting the players through so much. I guess they're just like, do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. So a big segment we like to do on the podcast called Matzo Ball Minute Questions. A couple quick hitters. Start you off. Favorite Jewish athlete of all time? Rod Carew. Love it. Who's that? I didn't know that is. He's Jewish? Come on. <laughs> no, I, I didn't I didn't know he's Jewish. I, I know Actually, who Rod Carew is. That's baseball. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Uh, uh, Sandy Koufax. Yeah, yeah. there you go. We know that one. <laughs> just because you were an all-star pitcher back in the day, huh? <laughs> um, what has been the greatest sports decade in your opinion? Wow. For me personally or in general? In general. You pers- or you personally, you personally. For personally. me personally, like yeah. going to the Super Bowl and seeing the Eagles win after never winning and having gone twice and lost, that was like the greatest moment. Like when they lost, when McNabb was a quarterback, I had a dream for like two weeks afterwards that they had won and I had changed history in my head. I'd say in sports in general, like, I don't know, the seventies were a crazy decade. I mean, the hair, the outfits, like when you go back and look at your baseball card collection or your NBA videos from that day or anything else like that, it was, it was kind of a free for all. And I loved the way that, that sports really intersected with culture. All right, a few more. If you could make a documentary about anything, what would it be? A documentary about anything, what would it be? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I feel like there's been a documentary about almost everything made uh, or, or, or a fictionalized version. But I guess if I could make a documentary about anything, it'd be about the rise and fall of paper boys. Because there are no more paper boys, but I was a paper boy for I delivered the Philadelphia Inquirer for almost seven years. That was a moment in time from the fifties on when you're throwing the paper out and collecting the money, and there's no digital payments, and there's no trucks, and there's no online. Um, and if I tell people I work with now that I delivered the newspaper, I think they wouldn't understand. Definitely not. Last one, kind of like a chicken, chicken or the egg question: education or experience. I would say uh, it's a tough question. It, it, it depends, obviously. I think that the benefit of education isn't the, the information that gets put into you, especially because we live in the world where almost all information is available. It's about the ability to process and learn from information. And so ultimately experience is a far better teacher, but you can't take advantage of experience if you haven't put in, in the process of understanding how to learn and process information. So in, in a way, they ultimately go hand in hand to some extent. 
We got one final question for you just to wrap things up here. We asked every guest, if you can go back and talk to the 15 year old version of yourself, what kind of advice would you give them? I'm assuming you were a paper boy at that time. So this kind of correlates. Um, what would I give them? I would say to some aspect, I would be just be like keeping you. Uh, and in some part, I would say everything that you think matters so much probably doesn't matter as much as you really think it does. Yeah, I agree. That's a good one. No, I think ultimately, like, you know, we put a lot of pressure on getting into the perfect school or making the team or making a ton of money or doing all these other things. And in the end, like, you know, stuff happens and stuff comes and goes. And none of that is, none of those are the things that ultimately, you know, really become moving for you in life or to go to the end that you lie and you're like, on your last dying bed, you're like, thank God I made JV in 19, (laughs) you know, or, or anything else like that. It's, it's about, you know, all of those. And, and look, I, I mean, I, I grew up in an area, era where there was no Facebook, no LinkedIn, no mobile phones. And so I lost in a way that opportunity to maintain all those relationships with people I played little league with, and I went to summer camp with and stuff like that. And so I'm a little jealous of of people who, who, because it's so easy to connect on social media are able to constantly add to the number of relationships that they can have over the course of life. Whereas like we went to camp and you came home, then maybe you wrote two letters in the mail to some somebody who you went to camp with and then you never saw or heard from them again. It's funny, my, I always make fun of my dad because he's still writing on like Facebook walls of kids I played hockey with in like sixth grade. <laughs> yeah, he's making up for lost time. He maintains every relationship he's ever made. <laughs> thank you so much, Dan. You're yeah, awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate this. Thanks guys. Keep on grinding. We Thanks, will. Dan. Appreciate it. Stay safe. You too. What a great interview with Dan Porter, the Philly native, founder, CEO, digital sports platform, Overtime. We love him. We hope you guys loved him. Um, Johnny, what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, super informal interview. You know, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, obviously we do learn a lot with every episode, but um, this one felt a little more like we were just taking in a lot of information about the sports industry and like millennials and Gen Z and how they um, take sports and stuff. So it was really interesting just to hear how different it is from generation to generation and like being a sports fan. Um, you know, obviously like we're kind of changing, I feel like with the way we, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The way we, oh my God, grow. No, no, no. Like the way we intake sports, is that a word? I don't know. Oh my God. Um, when we do sports and like get, gather information about sports. Sure. I, I don't know the word. Someone will, someone will help me with that when they listen, but, um, no, yeah, just a super smart guy and a lot of fun to talk to I'm happy we got him on. I think he's like a, a huge influence he should be a huge influence to our older, our older listeners, um, especially the fathers out there to be a little more hip and a little more <laughs> into the younger Definitely. generation. No, seriously though. Cause it was just like, um, I feel like if you see him, like if you're like boys with him, like I feel like his, like he's friends with a lot, like a lot of guys from the younger generation. So he's one of those guys, like you see the basketball game, you go up, you dap him up. Like, mm-hmm. um, and little do you know, he's an, he's a, he's an absolute genius. So yeah. Just a young hip dude, loves basketball, loves Love sports. Um, doing a great job with overtime. I mean, we, I, I love it. It's a great follow. I recommend everyone follow overtime. Just a lot of cool highlights of uh, some athletes you may have never heard of, but they're going to be the athletes of tomorrow, which is really cool. 
Um, but I do want to take a second to talk about Mindset Wellness, our great sponsor, Mindset Wellness CBD. They're a brand new full spectrum CBD company infused with terpenes and vitamins that can provide all natural anxiety relief. We talk about them every single week. We love them. I'm sure you've seen them all over our page, but go to mindsetwellnesscbd.com and use our code LOCKUP for 10% off plus free shipping and feel free to check them out on their Instagram at Mindset Wellness CBD. Um, we do have a busy week. We got some exciting Super Bowl news coming. We got another special Super Bowl episode coming later this week. Um, so stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of fun things to do this weekend regarding the Super Bowl with our bagels and locks and some other stuff that I'm not going to say yet. But um, thank you guys for listening. Cap, you got any final thoughts? Um, no final thoughts, but um, end, of the, end of the month, I know it is February now, and uh, Purim's coming up, end of the month in February. So um, just get ready for Purim, and everybody have a, uh, a great rest of the week. We hope you enjoy the interview. We love you guys. Later. Later. Heard of JT, no they not. Heard of JT, no they not. No they not. No they not. No they not. No they not.